Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today, having another opportunity to get with you and together open up God's Word and study a little bit deeper. I know that many of you probably are listening while you're doing something else. Maybe you're driving along in your car, and that's fine, So you can, but you can't really get to the Bible and, op- and open it up. But nonetheless, I'll be reading scriptures to you, and in your mind, it will be as though you're reading right along. Again, on Search the Scriptures, we do exactly that. We get into God's Word, we dig deep, we look beneath the surface, we try to peel back the layers of the onion and look at things in a little bit richer and more in-depth fashion than perhaps many people are used to when they're looking at God's Word. We want to help you come closer to God. In fact, we want to help you come all the way to God. And in order to do that, you need to know what his word says. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We keep emphasizing that in the program. And it is, it is appropriate that we do so because so many people have a misunderstanding of what faith is and how faith comes to a person and and uh, how it develops and how it grows and so on, it's not something you catch. It is something that develops within you as you come to understand God's word better and better and then believe it. And then ultimately, real faith, saving faith, is a faith that guides you to obey the teachings of God's word, to live by them on a consistent daily basis. So we want to help you along that line. We want to help you get to heaven. Now, the only way through to God, Jesus Christ himself said, is through him as your Lord and Savior, God's Son. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we want to help you in that walk. As you come to understand that Jesus is your Savior and God's Son, and you believe that to the point that you're ready to turn your life over to Him, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Him, and surrendering to Him in baptism. At that point, as you're buried in those waters of baptism, and that's what the word means, immerse, bury, plunge, dip, then the blood that Jesus shed on the cross so long ago is still 100% effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And as that happens and you come up out of that water, you are a new person, as the Apostle Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. As Jesus told Nicodemus, at that point you have been born again in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. You've put away that old man or that old person, and you have taken upon you a new identity. You're in Christ. You're a Christian. God adopts you into his family, so you're one of his sons or daughters. You are one who is a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ. How blessed that is and how exciting it is to understand that new identity. We want to help you with that. Now, not just through listening to this program on a daily basis, but we want to help you by helping you get into God's Word on your own. Every day we offer a free Bible study through the regular mail. All you have to do is ask for it. We'll send it to you. It is free, and we'll take care of the postage. At the end of the program today, we'll tell you how to contact us. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready so you can jot down that information and then contact us. And you can do that by 
telephone. Uh, you can do that through the internet uh, as you go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and you can click on the link there, the email link, and you can email us and ask us for that. You can, you can contact us uh, again through uh, text messages if you, as you look at the, uh, the phone number, my, the, your personal cell number, 402-212-7882. So you can contact us in a number of different ways and ask for that free Bible study. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to have that opportunity to help you learn better on your own from God's Word. Now, we're excited to have you listening. and We know that so many of you do listen on a regular basis. Many of you listen every day or just about every day because we hear from you. And that's exciting. But we want to help you get into God's Word on your own as well. And we hope that you'll let us do that. We hope you'll take advantage of this opportunity. And again, it's free. Now today we're going to continue our study talking about the kind of love that fulfills and sustains marriage. Now, as I've been talking about as we were introducing this particular study and starting to get into it in more depth, I want to help you. We want to help you in your marriage relationship. The unfortunate and extremely sad fact of the matter is that our marriages in this country, and I don't think it's unique to this country, I think it's very common in many countries around the world, but we live here, so we can really relate to the, the reality and the situation in our culture right here in the United States of America. Our marriages are in terrible shape. Now, I'm talking about on a general basis. I know there are great marriages out there, but I'm talking about in our culture, the very institution of marriage is in terrible shape. There are so many marriages that have already crumbled. There are so many people who simply, they just have, in a way, kind of given up on marriage. They don't even get married. They just cohabit. They just live together. They just move in. They raise children. And, and under the guise of love and commitment, and I say guise because if you're really committed, you'll get married and quit making excuses for not getting married, saying how committed you are, and you don't have to be married to be committed and all of that. That's a bunch of baloney. If you're really committed, go ahead and take the step. Get married. And when you start making excuses, you're simply admitting openly that you're not really committed. Not committed enough to give your life to that person as their husband or wife. Well, so get away from all of the blowing smoke and, and all of that, you know, making excuses and all of that, you need to get married. If you're going to act like a married person, you need to be a married person. And you can't be a married person without going through the process of actually getting married. Sign that marriage license. Make it legal. Then you're really making the commitment. But so many people, they're not doing that. And that ultimately is a well, it's an exercise in futility because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Children grow up not knowing what marriage is. Children grow up not knowing what to look for in a husband or a wife. They really grow up to a great extent not understanding fully what it is to be a man or a woman because their mama and their daddy did not exhibit that image and that example because they refused to get married. 
But then so many who have become married, literally become married, their marriages have collapsed. They're not giving the proper attention to the relationship. They're looking for something that's unrealistic. They're not giving themselves fully to make that marriage as fulfilling and sustaining as it could be. And so they're missing out on much of the joys of being husband and wife. Well, in this particular study, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, particularly verses 4 through the first part of verse 8. But we looked at verses 1 through 3, and we talked about there about what marriage is not. And so we're talking about in this particular text, the Apostle Paul uses a Greek word translated into English simply as love. Now, if you're looking at the King James Version, you might see the word translated as charity. Well, that seems rather confusing to us because we don't usually equate the idea of charity with the love that we would have for another person, particularly with our spouse, our husband, or our wife. So love is a better translation. We relate to that much, much more uh, significantly. And so he uses that word agape from the Greek. Now, the New Testament, again, was written in Greek originally. And that word agape, as we've emphasized, is the highest form of love expressed in the Greek language. And so this love is not a love that is based primarily upon emotion. It's not driven primarily by emotion. It is a love that kind of makes up its mind. I will love you. No matter what, I'm going to love you. Even if you don't love me back, I'm going to love you because I've made up my mind. I'm going to love you. You know, when we take the marriage vows, we say words or we say I do to words like in richer or poorer in health and in sickness, and so on. So when things are going great and when things are, you know, rather challenging, we say, I do, I will marry you, I love you, I take this man, I take this woman to be my lawful wedded husband or my lawful wedded wife. But then so many people, when they get into the relationship and it progresses for a little while and it starts to get to be not as spectacular at that moment as what they were hoping it would be, then they become disillusioned and they ultimately decide, you know, I think I'll just get out of this. So it's kind of like buying a new pair of shoes. You buy it and you spend the money, you pay for it, you take it home, you wear it for a while and you say, you know, these shoes really hurt my feet. I think I'll throw them away. I'll go get something else. Or else, you know, there's another style that comes out and I say, yeah, this style, I like this new style better. So I'm going to go get a new pair of shoes. Well, that's not the way we ought to look at marriage. Marriage is supposed to be for life. Now, again, this series, this study, is designed to help you in your marriage. And if you say, well, I'm not married yet, it's to help you get ready for your marriage. It's to help you look at marriage through correct lenses, even spiritual lenses, because we're looking at it from God's Word. Now, in verses 1 through 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we noted that agape, love, is not based on the worthiness of the one being loved. It's, it, but rather, it is based on the determination of the one doing the loving. Agape love cannot be earned. It is freely given. A lot of people, they say, well, you know, marriage is a 50-50 proposition. 50-50 
relationship. You give 50%, I'll give 50%. If that's your attitude, your marriage will almost, will almost uh, absolutely fail. Marriage is a hundred-hundred relationship. You give a hundred percent, your spouse gives a hundred percent, and you see there'll be so much overlapping of what each of you is putting into the relationship that you'll have a tremendous buffer zone so that when things are challenging, when things are trying, it's okay. You still love each other so much. Each of you is putting so much of yourself into the relationship that it's going to be buffered and you're going to stay together and you're going to love one another. Continue to love one another. You don't fall into, you don't fall out of agape love, but rather you make up your mind to love your husband, to love your wife, no matter what. Now, let's look at the first several characteristics of this kind of love from the positive perspective. So we've looked at it in verses one through three and saw this is what this kind of love is not. And so a whole lot of people enter into a marriage relationship with unrealistic expectations and images in their mind. And so they have a lot of problems in the relationship. That marriage struggles tremendously, and so many times it fails. Well, let's look at what Paul says this kind of love is, these positive qualities. Paul says, Beginning with verse 4, love suffers long. Now, a lot of people who are married will say, yeah, you got that right. I have been suffering a long, long, long time in this marriage. Well, that's not what Paul's really talking about. And that's not really the, the sense in which he uses that word suffers or the phrase suffers long. But he's talking about a protracted endurance. Now, by protracted, we mean a long-lasting, an ongoing endurance, even of of wrong done, such as might provoke resentment. And yet, this kind of love says, well, I'm going to hang in there anyway. Okay, yeah, some things are being done that's not proper, but I'm going to hang in there anyway. Now, any husband and wife who says, you know, my wife and I, my husband and I have never had a cross word in our 10 or 15 years of marriage. Better watch out because if they'll lie about that, they're going to lie about other things. I hope you get the, the uh, you know, kind of humor laced in there. Every marriage has difficult times, and there are times when husband and wife, they are kind of at cross purposes for a few moments at least, and so they have some cross words, some rather strong words. Now, but if they will learn how to deal with those, with those feelings and those emotions and those particular situations, they'll get through all of that. They're not going to give up because one of them used an angry phrase toward them out of emotion at that particular moment, they're going to recognize, okay, you know, they probably didn't really mean that, and they're going to talk about it. Now, your spouse may be going through a really bad time for some reason, and he or she may need some extra patience and understanding. Now, that's what Paul is talking about by suffers long. This kind of love suffers long. Uh, Look at what the 
wise men wrote in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. He said, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. When a husband and wife love each other so much that they say, you know, darling, I don't want to spend another day without you. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. Well, there's a depth to that love and a quality that lo- to that love that says, I'm going to hang in there. Yeah, we're going to have some challenges, even some personal challenges, but I'm still going to be with, there with you. I'm not going to give up. The, Jesus said in, John, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Again, marriage is not a 50-50 relationship or commitment kind of relationship. Marriage is a 100%, 100% relationship and commitment to that relationship. So your husband or your wife, they lash out. They're out of sorts. They're moody at this particular period of time. Okay, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And then drop down to verse 9 there in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus goes on and he says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Sometimes, husband and wife, they're, again, they're, they get into a confrontation. And then it becomes a contest. You see, an argument is not a, an act of, or an exercise in communication. It's a contest. And so the object of a contest is to win. And so they go back and forth, and then they get louder, and they get louder, and, and uh, then they start bringing in old stuff, and uh, they, old baggage, and they start talking about your mama and your daddy and all of that. Well, it just makes it worse. It just escalates. And somewhere along the line, one or the other has to step forward and just become the peacemaker and say, look, 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 we don't need to talk about this any longer. We're not getting anywhere with this. This is, this is going bad for us. So let's just put this aside for now. Maybe we can come back and re-deal with this a, bit, a little bit later on when we're calmer. You know, in my, in my marriage, my wife and I, for a long period of time, and this was my first wife, she is deceased now, but we got to where we were pretty astute at recognizing where we could not talk about certain subjects. And so there was one particular area of, of discussion back and forth and communication where we realized we can't talk about that to each other. Now, each of us had our own opinion on those things. It was not a matter of faith. It was not a matter of salvation. It wasn't something that was vital to our marriage relationship. It was something that wherein each of us had our own opinions, and it was just opinions. And if we made the mistake to start to talk to each other about that particular subject, then it would not be very long till we would start raising our voices, and then we'd start you know, cutting each other off, and, but then one of us would recognize, oh, oh wait, 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 yeah, we don't need to talk about this. This is, this is that kind of area where we say, no, 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 that's, that's no man's land. We don't, we don't deal with this. Now, it's interesting, as we grew older and for, you know, older in our relationship, we got to where we thought on the same lines, pretty much, about that particular subject. And we could talk about it, and we would support one another in it. But for a while, we recognized, 
we, we just don't need to be talking about that because we get out of sorts with one another. And so one or the other of us would step in and be the peacemaker. Well, that's important for us to recognize that we need to do that. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and we look here beginning with verse uh, 18. Notice what the apostle Paul writes in this particular text. Romans chapter 12 gives us a lot of instruction as to personal behavior. But look particularly at verses 18 and 19. It is, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Well, we don't have to win the argument. We don't need to argue. We need to, again, as much as is possible for each one of us individually in our marriage relationship to live peaceably with our spouse. And if that means that we have to kind of step back and say, yeah, okay, I don't need to prove a point here. I love my wife. I love my husband. I love our marriage. I love our relationship. So I'm just going to kind of step back and shut up and love my spouse. And let's move on in a relationship. And let's forget about whatever this is, at least for right now, that we're arguing over because I don't want to argue. That's counterproductive. It's not productive of anything good. So love suffers long, all right? It is patient. It is, it is willing to hang in there even over a long period of time. And again, remember, your spouse, your husband, your wife, maybe they're going through something right now. It could be physical. It could be emotional. It might be psychological. It might be work-related but something that they're really struggling with right now, and you're not going to help them by yelling at them or trying to make them put it out of their mind or get over it right now, because that's probably not going to happen. But if you'll love them, if you'll be patient with them, if you'll be supportive of them, even when that's a challenge because of their being out of sorts, because of their being down in the dumps, because of their being short-tempered, your marriage will get better. And that will strengthen your relationship because being supportive of one another will naturally strengthen the marriage relationship. Our time is up for today, so we're going to stop and park here. We'll come back and we'll look at the next quality of the 16 that Paul lists in this particular context of Scripture next time. Be sure to write down that information that you're going to get in just a moment about how to contact us. Ask for that free Bible study. We'd love to send it to you. And again, it's free. It can change your life for eternity. We hope to hear from you right away.